Angelica, what, at what point were you like completely out of your, your mom's house? I mean, was it once? Did you like move out right after high school? Because I hear about people who get booted as soon as they turn 18 and graduate, their parents kick them out of the house. Did that happen for you or? No. I mean, I went to college 45 to an hour away. So I was home like for all the breaks. I never went on spring break. I was home in the summer because I just always had to work and save up money. Um, so I feel like I, I went away to college, but I was close enough to where if I'm having a rough time, I could go home for the weekend and do laundry and hang out. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think October after I graduated from college, right after I turned 22, I was pretty young. I left, I went from Massachusetts to Missoula, Montana, and I was out on my own for a very long time. Lived there for three years, lived in Raleigh for four years. Then I got a job in Boston and um, it happened suddenly. So I moved back in with my mom who was divorced by then. And she had, see, I feel like this doesn't count because she had an apartment in her house, like a walkout apartment. She lived on a lake in the, in the basement, walkout basement was an apartment. So I moved in there and um, lived there for about a year until Bill came up to Boston. We got an apartment. Then a couple of years later, Bill left again to go teach somewhere. I moved back in with her, but I was upstairs in her house because she had a tenant. And that was really rough. That was right before I got married. So how old are you? You were like in your late 20s, early 30s? Yeah. So the first time I moved back in with her, I was 28, going on 29. And then I think I was 31. It was like leading up to my wedding. It's like a year before I moved to Portland. And that was like temporary, but temporary for nine or 10 months is a long time. And yeah. her house wasn't that big. And she was so nice. And she, again, would not take rent. She was, and she would have like a plate of food ready for me with tinfoil over it when I got home at night from work. But like, you know, things would happen. Like she would need a new washer or dryer and I would just buy it without even telling her because I just, she was so generous. Yeah. So we had a very healthy, quote unquote, healthy relationship as, as a full on adult who lived at home. But it kind of drove me crazy. It was a lot of mom time. What yeah. about you? Uh, well, it's okay. I uh, I was kind of like you in that I, my first college I went to was I lived in Gresham and uh, it was at Northeast Portland at Concordia. So it was about a 45 minute drive for me to get there. But my parents didn't want me to live in the dorms because of the expense. So I lived at home with them, which was just an absolute recipe for disaster because faced with getting up at 6 a.m. and going to an early class, driving an hour to get there. It just wasn't going to happen for me. So I skipped a lot of school and I wasn't doing very well. So then I How moved old were you then? 18. 18? Oh, right that's rough here. too. I always think it's rough when people don't live in a dorm in college right at the beginning. I think that's I, a huge part of the experience. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So actually what I did was my friends were living in this, the, the dorm situation at Concordia, at least theirs was, they had two rooms for four people. So there was a living room and then there was two, like a bedroom. And that yep. was kind of how they arranged it. And so they only had three roommates. So they let me crash there for free. Like they didn't tell the dorm people I was just living there. Oh, nice. I did that the second term. And that's when I got the best grades because I was there all the time. And so that went okay. Then we moved into a house and then I dropped out of college. And that was the first time I moved back home. And that did not go well. Um Cause you know, I was like depressed and I didn't want to go to school and all that. So eventually I moved out cause my buddy's uh, family inherited a house up by OHSU. And so I lived there and they were only charging their roommates a hundred dollars a month. Wow. Yeah. Cause the lady who lived there was a spinster and she just wanted like students in her house just to have yeah. company. So she didn't charge yeah. anything, but she had crazy rules. Like 
the boys and the girls that lived in her house weren't allowed to occupy the same room without her in the room at the same time. Like they couldn't both be in the kitchen at the same time. Or wow. If she wasn't there. Holy. So, that was interesting. They all hated us. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Like I'm coming in for some water. Mm-hmm. Any ladies in the room? How, how the hell do you work that out? I think when it's a hundred dollars a month, you make it work. <laughs> you make it work. Wow. Um, and then I eventually moved back home one more time during college. And then that was it. But you know, like the parents almost immediately after I moved out, took down all of my stuff, put up the new wallpaper, turned it into an office. And it was then awkward when I came back and I'm like, uh, can I sleep, I sleep you know, <laughs> sleep on the day bed that they kept in there for company. So your parents were pretty like psyched for you to get out and get into the world. How did they feel about you coming back? They were, they were they okay, okay with it. it? I, I think it was mostly just my dad wanted a place for his computer that wasn't in the family room. Yeah. You know, it, I don't think like, I think they were glad to have me back for the most part. Um, But, you know, I tried not to be there too long or take too much from them. So I, I got out as soon as I could. And, I, you know, it is a little stifling living under your parents when you're an adult, as you obviously know. Yeah. I always find it hard to understand when people do kick their kids out at 18, no matter what. And it's like, you need to learn on your own and be on your own. I get, I get that you want your kids to be independent, but I've talked to people who say, oh, if I had ended up homeless, my parents would not have taken me back. And there was no financial support. And of course, as a parent, I just can't imagine that. Sometimes you're not ready. When you're 18. Well, yeah, totally. I wasn't ready for anything. And, you know, like they say, you're not truly an adult, really, like mentally until you're about 25. Yeah. Which makes sense to me thinking back on myself because I graduated college at 25. I mean, I took a long time to get through. But when I graduated, I was ready to live on my own and pay my bills and I'll do all that. I could, could not even come close to doing that at 18. When I flew away from my mom for the first time to Montana... I got there. It was the end of October, 1996. I called her from the Holiday Inn Express. The station gave me like three nights in a hotel until I found an apartment, which is crazy. Wow. Um, And this is like, no one had the internet. And so, I mean, you had the internet in 96, but, you know, we didn't have smartphones. I didn't have it in a hotel room. It was impossible. So I was going to the library to look for apartments, like in the newspaper and stuff. And I remember calling her the very first night and sitting on the edge of the bed in this crappy hotel and just crying and saying, I'm going to try and book a flight back. I'm not staying here. Wow. I was so scared because I was in this very different place. I mean, Missoula, Montana was so foreign to me and it smelled so bad. Literally, there there used to be a paper plant Mm -hmm. and that's the time of year where the whole town just, you think Camas smells bad when there's like a little bit of an inversion. This was just disgusting. And I just, I was just so turned off by the whole thing. And I didn't want to be on live TV. I was scared. Mm-hmm. Um, but within a couple of weeks, I kind of snapped out of it and I figured it out and it was fine. But I remember saying her saying, no, you can't come back. This is what you went to school for. Of course, if you want to come back, you can always come back. But mm-hmm. she kind of talked me off the ledge, which was nice. So I, you know, I'm always grateful for that because I don't think all parents are that supportive. I agree. And and I've never had to face like what you just described, where I've only ever really lived in three places and I never had to go to someplace so foreign, at least as an adult. You know, we lived in South Dakota when I was a kid. But, you know, I moved out with my family. That's a little different than being on my own and then lived in 
freshman. All that. Anyway, I lived in Eugene for, for the last two years of college, but that's not that different, obviously. So I can't imagine kind of the culture shock. Like if I had to move to the East Coast, it would be totally different than yeah. here. Or I whatever. mean, it ended up working out great. In fact, at the end of my three years in Missoula, I loved Montana so much. I considered getting out of journalism and getting out of TV and like taking a random sales job as a pharmaceutical rep well, because I anyway. wanted to stay there. You would be making. Some I know. Money. I was tempted by the money because I made fourteen thousand dollars a year, and also I just thought it was beautiful. And it's the one place where, if I did actually have money and could move back, you know, not work, I would go back to Missoula. I mean, I ended up marrying someone from there, and our family's there, so obviously I have a special connection. But it was, I went from calling her crying to, oh, man, if I were loaded, I'd come back here and buy a house and ski for the rest of my life. Wow. If I were loaded, I have no idea where I'd move. I, I don't think I'd move anywhere. I'd probably stay here. I had this conversation with someone the other day and they're like, well, if you were really rich, you won that billion dollar lotto. Like, why not just buy a house in Hawaii? And I'm like, well, wh why bind yourself to that? Why not just stay wherever you want? Cause you're rich. Just, just travel, just travel, go everywhere, rent a glorious place in Hawaii for a month, but then yeah. rent one in, you know, Hong Kong or whatever. I would definitely own property and then travel the rest of the time. It would, it, I would definitely buy a house on a Greek Island, tiny little house, maybe a compound for all my family there. Sure. A cult. Yeah. You know, you'd start a cult. I get it. It's, yeah, cool. it's a Greek Island cult. Welcome to Film Swap, the podcast where we challenge each other to watch the movies that we've let slip through the cracks or purposely shoved into the cracks for whatever reasons. I'm Angelica Thornton. And I'm Nick Vole. Today we're talking about failure to launch. His parents want him out. He's 35 years old. He still lives at home. That is not normal. I've lived upstairs since I was three. It's going to take a stick of dynamite to get me out of my parents' house. And there's only one person for the job. I am a professional motivator. For many young men, self-esteem develops during a romantic relationship. So, I simulate one. Can I have a drink tonight? I can have your son moved out of this house by June 15th. Hallelujah! Matthew McConaughey. You are afraid of love. I do sleep well at night. On a twin bed with Superman sheets that you've had since you were six. Sarah Jessica Parker. You gonna let her walk away? I'm giving her space. Now, I'm going after her. Failure to launch. Oh boy. This is going to be good. Failure to Launch is a 2006 rom-com, non-rom, non-com, starring Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew McConaughey. Uh, lots of big stars in it. Bradley Cooper, Kathy Bates, Zoe Deschanel, and of course, noted thespian um, Terry Bradshaw. Uh, so here's the list. Uh, here's the gist, rather. Uh Trip is one of the main characters. He's played by Matthew McConaughey. He's 35. He still lives at home. His mom, Sue, played by Kathy Bates, and his father, Al, played by Terry Bradshaw, they're enabling him. They're doing his laundry. They're cooking him these pancake and bacon breakfasts, cleaning his disgusting room. Uh, Trip's MO is inviting women to his house when he gets tired of them, having sex with them, within earshot of his parents. Um, then they somehow find out he lives with his parents and they take off and that's the whole plan. Uh, he's just a huge bro uh, who sells boats and basically does whatever he wants. His parents want him out of the house, even though they certainly don't act like it, right? They're enabling him the whole time. Um, they're, they're slaving over their 35-year-old son and they're at the same time asking each other, what did we do wrong? 
So they hire Paula, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, who's this professional empty nest magic maker. She tricks men into falling in love with her and finding their independence and moving out of their parents' basements or whatever. She believes that their failure to launch is due to low self-esteem, and she fixes it by getting them to transfer their attachment from their parents, their house, their comfortable living at home to her, and then she cuts them off, I guess. They never really explain that part. They don't really get into what happens, like all the broken hearts that she leaves in her wake. Mm-hmm. Sue and Al, by the way, find out about her services through another couple, one of whom is the great Stephen Tobolowski. I can never say his his name right. Tobolowski? Tobolowski. Tobolowski, yeah. You yeah, remember Ned Ryerson from yeah. Groundhog Day. If he's, you're he's great. Um, the problem is Trip doesn't fit the profile. He's gorgeous. He has self-esteem, lots of interests, loves his job. And of course, they start to fall for each other. Uh, when he senses that she's getting serious, he tries to break up with her. The parents tip her off. She goes off course and sleeps with him, which is something she never does. There are a bunch of supporting characters, his friends. Bradley Cooper is one of them, her roommate, Zoe Deschanel. Uh, and as things pro- progress, they all get involved and Trip finds out what's going on and it blows up. But at that point, they're in love, blah, 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 cliche after rom-com cliche. Um, and the friends force them, literally lock them in a room to talk about it and solve their problems. And it seems like it takes 20 minutes and it's all of a sudden being broadcast live to a coffee shop like the Truman Show. Mm-hmm. And uh, together they end up drinking champagne on a sailboat and everyone is happy. We find out that Tripp's failure to launch is probably connected to his fiance dying. Uh, he's been hanging out with her orphan son a lot. Spoiler alert, it's not his nephew. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And then what? one minor correction here in the movie, they meet, do a meet cute at a chair store. Oh, right. They start dating. And then the movie reveals to you after they go on their date that she is actually this. Right. This is her job. Right. Yeah. Um, why haven't you seen this? About to sneeze there. Uh, I hadn't seen it because it looked awful. <laughs> so I didn't go see it. We have talked about this several times because it's one of two movies that I've ever walked out on in the theater. And I remember the night because I've always sort of felt bad about how I handled this. My friend Joe Romanelli was organizing a birthday party for his wife, my friend Susan Tran. And there were like 10 of us and we all went. And I think I walked out after 15 or 20 minutes And I didn't remember the movie at all, just that it was awful. And I was like, I'm out of here. And I went to a bar nearby and I got a vodka cranberry, which I'm drinking right now. Hey, theme. um, I did send her a text while I was watching and I said, hey, I feel so bad that I left this movie and I was probably a dick about it. Back in 2006, she she didn't remember me leaving. She remembers it being a horrible movie. So Joe Romanelli is like the most East Coast name possible. (laughs) he's from new york he's the best man ever um yeah so i did so awful i wanted us to watch it and just talk shit about it okay cool you know i i'm gonna hate to disappoint you here i didn't hate it as much as you might think i might hate it i don't think it's a good movie but i think that you've got two really likable people and if you just and more than two really likable people and if you just stripped away the actual plot and found something like even more low key and low stakes, it would have been a highly watchable movie. Yeah. The movie like can't get out of its own way because 
all of the plot machinations yeah. are, are the problem with the movie. Like the, the plot is the problem of the movie. Yes. Yeah. That, all of the people, you know, are pretty likable, you know, even like Bradley Cooper's playing like kind of that sleazy douchebag guy he plays, but you know, in a charming way. And Justin Barth is the pathetic buddy, but you know, he's nice and he's smart. Zoe Deschanel is the cute Zoe Deschanel archetype. And Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew McConaughey seem like people that, you know, are nice. I feel like so they why were doesn't all... this movie work? I feel like they're all sociopaths. <laughs> Interesting. Well, yeah, but I mean, like in that way that movie characters are. Right, of course. Um, I also do not think they have chemistry. I just don't think that they're believable um, together. I, I just didn't, I wasn't getting the connection. And I just... I think that they're unlikable because of the plot. Of course, they're all fine actors, most of them. Even Terry Bradshaw is actually not that bad in this movie. No, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, do I need to see his naked ass? And is that funny for that long? Probably not. But I didn't think he was an awful actor. Um, just Trip seems, at least in the montages leading up to when you know he's he being fooled by Sarah Jessica Parker, just horrible yes. uh, to everyone around him. Um, I find myself at one point, I'm like rooting for all the animals that bite him, the chipmunk and the dolphin and whatever. The but, but again, one of the worst parts of yeah, the whole movie was those so animals. Stupid. There's you know? nothing Actually. charming about that. Um, and she's a patho pathological liar and a fraud. She's like a more evil version of Carrie Bradshaw telling at one point she told her roommate, Zoe Deschanel, Kit, um, they're having an argument and she said something so mean. Yeah. It was like the worst writing. It was like, you finally convinced a guy to sleep with you more than once. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like she's gorgeous and she's cute. You know, she's mm -hmm. personality. And I was like, I don't know. I just, I just didn't like her personality. Uh, I didn't find anything endearing about her. Uh, I thought the physical comedy was so dumb, the wiping out constantly. And again, the animal humor, mm -hmm. the parents should have just had a freaking conversation with him and said, we need you to move out. But of course that's, that's the rom-com. They never told Carrie Bradshaw's character Paula about his past. Carrie Bradshaw's hey. character. Oh, uh, see, there you go. <laughs> There you go. That's you the problem. Go. It's the same person. They never tell Sarah Jessica Parker's character, Paula, about um, his past. That's an important detail. You're hiring this life coach to like get your son out of the house. Maybe say, hey, his fiance died six years ago. He was shattered by it. I don't know. Something nope. she should probably know. Yeah. Uh, again, a, the, the plot is the problem. If you just had these characters, like, if you take the more selfish edges off these characters and you make it so Matthew McConaughey is grieving the loss, he's still living with his parents. They want him out. He meets a nice lady. And the conflict is, how does she get him to commit to her? You don't need this other contrivance of the business. And how would this business even work? You know, and like just all of them, that is so unnecessary. If you just yeah. made everybody nice people and have the conflict be like an actual human conflict. Right. And this then you'd have a work. completely, totally different movie because my number one problem with it was her business. Like, how exactly does it work when she gets these men to move out and then she dumps them? So her method is that she's cute, finds out what men like, pretends to like the same stuff, shares a sad experience with them, 
Um, in this case, she pretended that this um, lab, this dog was dying and that she had to put her beloved dog down. Um, and then she asked them to teach her something. So they go like, do they do paintball? And then he shows her how to sail. And then she dumps them. But what happens to these men? Do they become incels? Like what? Right. Isn't this going to make them hate women more? Yes. Like this. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It it doesn't. And it's so unnecessary. Just all of it is unnecessary Um, to come back to this stupid animal plot one more time. The other thing that I hated about the animal plot, besides the fact it was not funny and was, was that that the animals all acknowledged to the camera like ain't i a stinker you know what i mean like they literally had the the lizard look at the camera and go <laughs> when he fell just like yeah just, i thought that the i thought that the camera work the directing in that way the editing was very odd and i don't know how but it just just seemed weird it seemed off to me i hate this kind of like animal kitschy like humor and we have talked about this in so many movies and i don't i don't understand i don't get it I, I, mean, I think it's who, a, who is this trying a, to appeal to? But that's the thing. I think it's an attempt to pander to someone, to someone, but that someone. person doesn't who exist. Is that person? There. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just a less critical movie, movie viewer, maybe like a boomer who like a filler. Yeah. Yeah. Who just isn't, isn't as critical of what they're saying. Like, I mean, I mean, how many times have you watched stuff with your parent or your mom or your older relatives where yeah. like you're, you're looking at them going god this is terrible and they're into it you know what i mean yeah i mean adam sandler does it a lot mm -hmm. he always throws the dumb animals in and it's it's so distracting one thing that i liked and i thought was a good scene and it was interesting probably the only part of the movie that i thought okay that was really good is when um Sue opens up about the mom, about her complicated feelings about Trip leaving and trying to reconnect with her husband once he's gone. Mm -hmm. um, it's after he finds out that they have hired this person. He's mad. He comes back. She's doing laundry. And she has this very real moment where she's like, you know, I've been with him for decades and I was scared of what our life is going to be like when you leave. Is he still going to like me? And that's such a real problem that so many people have. And it leads to bad things for a lot of couples. Once their kids are gone, they realize they don't like each other. I don't have anything in common with you. We were partners raising kids for so long. And this isn't what I want. And so um, I was like, yes, that's great. And then I thought, oh, I want I want a whole movie about this. And I want it to star Kathy Bates. Like yeah. this empty nest fear um, with couples. I talk about this a lot with Bill and and I I see I'm sure we do it too but I see it in other couples where every every fiber of their being is focused on their kids and we'll go out to dinner with other couples and we'll like have you know have people over and it's constantly talking about kids and constantly asking about kids and I'm like can we can we talk about ourselves and like what are your interests like besides your children because 18 years is such a short span of time. And if you put everything into those kids and don't show affection to your partner or do what you and Marissa did last night, which is go to the movies and have like a couple night and like put, you know, spend some time together. What happens after 18 years? Yeah. I mean, people change. And if you're not evolving together and if it's just parenting, it's really hard. And there aren't that many movies about that. Well, that's because they don't want to make movies about older people in general. Yeah, um, 
but that's where I think again, this could be such a better movie. There's so many themes here that are yeah. rich for drama, but also comedy. And the romance can be there if the leads have chemistry. And it's just the whole thing feels like a missed opportunity. You know what I mean? Because yeah. remember, his buddies also live at home. Yeah. And now in 2023, like over the past 10 years, it's even more of an issue. We always talk about how millennials have to live at home because they can't afford it or, you know, whatever the reason is. They were helicopter parents and these kids don't want to like, you know, take go out into the world and take care of themselves. And that would be great. Um, you know, it's been a problem forever, but it, they just, yeah, it, they just did not. It was a miss for me. Yeah, yeah. But but I I really expected to hate it, hate it, and I didn't hate it, hate it. It was watchable. Like Did you laugh? I didn't laugh. I thought it was just like I don't really think there were there were that many lines in the dialogue that had me laughing. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like there there were a few jokes here and there that I thought were funny, but then the scenarios got so far fetched or so like over the top, like slapsticky that yeah, it lost me. But at the same time, it wasn't so much that I was turning the movie off or scrolling my phone too much. You know what I mean? There was yeah. a little, there was a little phone scrolling, but yeah, I mean, it could have been worse, which is then what makes the whole thing frustrating with the actual movie like you see these little sparks of things that could be and then they don't materialize or they go just to the dumbest possible place with every scenario i read one review calling it funny and witty and i was thinking you need to have your head checked there was nothing witty in this i mean even if there were a couple lines here and there that i'm getting this was not a witty film the dialogue wasn't great i mean even their names demo ace and trip like yeah well, they said that Ace and Demo were nicknames. Right, of course. But they're of course they're nicknames. But they're like, oh, we got to surf. We got to rock climb, paintball, mountain bike. Like, it was just, oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Scale it down. Like, we're going to do yoga together. We're going to do everything. And and no, that's, people don't live like that. That's crazy. Only in a rom-com. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, I was also in the yoga scene. I, why isn't anyone telling them to shut the hell up? I you're in the middle of a yoga class listen you should be able to hear the people fart and you are being too loud <laughs> isn't that that's bikram yoga you're talking about yes, right that's- i guess <laughs> oh my god Where i <laughs> you know zoe deschanel is cute and she is so likable and i'm always it, it's so hard not to like her in anything she's got that voice she's just such a cute character in everything she does but I just didn't like her. I just didn't like what she was doing either. It's like, okay, I'm gonna buy a shotgun and try and kill a mockingbird. Give me a break. That whole that whole conversation about to kill a mockingbird in the book was so dumb. Although I will say Rob Cordry was pretty funny in that yeah, scene. That was good. Cause I like that. You know, because he was essentially the straight man calling out her craziness. Yeah, which is great to see him doing that. He never does that. Yeah, yeah. He's always the crazy guy. Yeah. That just tells you how deep the bench is and, and even more what a tragedy this movie is because you have this stacked roster yeah. of people you want to watch on screen and Terry Bradshaw. And then they, <laughs> and then I was whip. pleasantly surprised that he, I, I, I don't, I haven't, I'm sure he's been on a lot of stuff, right? Because he, I mean, whatever. I was surprised that he wasn't painfully bad at acting. Yeah, I was a little surprised too. You know, he just was the same character he is on the yeah. football show on TV. He's just himself. Like, yeah, he's no, himself. The dad. There yeah. was no challenges to his yeah. role, and that works out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, 
He's had some cameo appearances on a bunch of TV shows, including The Larry Sanders Show, The League, Modern Family, Married with Children, Everybody Loves Raymond. Huh. He was okay. in the movie Hooper in 1978 and Cannibal Run, Smokey and the Bandit 2. Wow. Okay. Um, He's done a lot. Man, he must have a lot of money. Now I think he has like he's got that reality show and then he also like i think he owns his own bourbon company or something he's the only and he was the first nfl player to get a star on the hollywood walk of fame oh wow okay and terry bradshaw clueless so think about this too this is a film that has one two three oscar winners in the cast because mcconaughey has one right he won for dallas yes. club mm-hmm. uh you've got bradley cooper He's one as a producer, I think, not as an actor, but and then Kathy Bates. You've mm-hmm. got three Oscar winners in this cast. You've got an Emmy winner in Sarah Jessica Parker, and I think in Zoe Deschanel as well. Yeah. And this is what we ended up with. Yeah. I'm just like, man, they all just want an easy paycheck back in 2006 when they made this. But I mean, like Matthew McConaughey went through a weird time in his career, and he, I don't think he's ever been critically acclaimed for any kind of rom-com or comedic role like this. This is just not his thing. It's almost like he's too handsome to be able to pull this off. I mean, I think he could definitely pull it off. I think, you know, his performance in Dazed and Confused is what made people think he could do this because he was charming and funny. Um, I think he's great. So the movie movie Sahara is not a great movie. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. But he's really good in it, I think, because he's kind of like the Indiana Jones type character. He's really great for that. I think as long as he's not the funny guy, he's he's good in comedies. As, he, as long as he's just sort of charming and kind of the straight man while the hijinks go on around him, I think he's pretty good at that. But that's not what this movie is asking him to do necessarily or yeah. in the comedies I've it, seen him in. This part was weird. I actually was thinking before I watched it. Oh, well, at least I get to see Matthew McConaughey. He's a beautiful man. And uh, this is like him and his prime, right? But I, I was so turned off, I think, by the character that I was not attracted to him in the least. In fact, at one point I thought, I'm not going to have a dream about him like I did Kamal Nanjiani. Like I found I found Kamal's character to be more attractive than Matthew McConaughey in this movie. But I'm also, I fall in love with funny people. It doesn't matter what they look like. And I always have since I was a kid. Like it I, I, like it blows my friends away when I say, oh, I'm attracted to this person. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, they're funny. Well, it's weird because after the last one, I said I had that joke about Ray Romano, the sex dream about Ray. This time it was Terry Bradshaw. You know, I saw that butt. It would have been hilarious if 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 they had put fake hair around the edges of his buttocks. Oh, he actually, I was like, he's in pretty head. good shape. I mean, I don't want to see that, but I was like, Man, he's in pretty good shape. <laughs> he played the retired NFL. athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't like, I was like, look at those dimples and he's got a beautiful face. I'm like, Ew, no, I don't think so. Not interested, Matthew McConaughey. Trip, not I, interested. I would say, yes, this was his peak physically and, you know, all everything. He's got it all working. And yeah. I would say the same is true of Sarah Jessica Parker. This is right after um, uh, Sex and the City, you know, kind of was wrapped. It was wrapping yeah. up around then, yeah. I think. And like she's probably in her mid 30s. Um, she's past the gawky teenage stuff from the 80s. Yeah. She's a fully confident woman. She looks great in this movie. Just again, wasting all of these people at their very best. Um, this in just it's such a shame. Do you think 
that Sarah Jessica Parker is a great actress or do you think she plays slightly different versions of herself all the time? I mean, it's a question we could ask of any actor, sure. but what do you think? I've never seen her play anybody different than the, the one character she always plays. Mm -hmm. She's got a great smile and she's got that. My wife and I were talking. She's got a great laugh and that squeal she does. Oh, I love that out. squeal. It's so cute. It's so cute. Every and, role she uses it. Yeah. But what have we seen her in? That's a little different. Um, did you see Divorce on HBO? I did. Yeah. That was like bitter Carrie Bradshaw. Exactly. It was an older Carrie Bradshaw who we're probably going to see in the new season of um, what's the name of the. Yeah, sequel the, to Sex in the City. God awful sequel to Sex. Yeah, in the after City. Big dies, she turns into the divorce lady. Yeah. Um, and I thought divorce was good. I I thought you know the supporting characters in that show were incredible. Um, but I've never you know even in the Family Stone, we both like that movie. Mm -hmm. She just played a more neurotic Carrie Bradshaw. I think she has such strong personality traits and like quirks about like mannerisms that it's really hard for her to break out. Yeah, she she's not like uh, Christian Bale or someone like that who can just yeah. disappear into roles. And I just pulled him out. And there are female versions of that, obviously, as well. But um, no, she's not. And that, but that's the difference between. I mean, this is judgmental, I guess, but that's the difference between like an actor and a movie star. Yeah, I think she's just a movie star, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. You know what I mean? And there's there's some people who do both, but there's not a lot of them. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And she's uh, she's still in her prime, I will say. So maybe she'll surprise us in the future and like have, you know, um, a renaissance in her career, because this is really when she was getting a lot of movies and stuff. Matthew McConaughey is an excellent actor. We know that now. And he can do more of the Christian Bale thing, which I think shocked everyone. Yeah. That Dallas Buyers Club. It was and incredible. Course, True Detective. Yeah. Showed us that. Um, but even the things like we were talking about comedies in uh, Tropic Thunder, when he played the insane like agent, he was very yeah. funny in that role. And I think yeah. he really commits to things, which I appreciate. Um, so then when there's but when there's nothing there, as there was nothing there in this movie, what do you hold on to besides your smile? You know what I mean? So maybe the rom-com isn't going to be for him anyway, because there's nothing to sink his teeth into. And again, this is true of Sarah Jessica Parker as well. I don't think she's a bad actor or something. But what has she got really to sink her teeth into here besides this yes. crappy fake business? Yeah, she doesn't have a lot to work with. It's funny seeing Bradley Cooper back then, too, in these smaller roles. Um, I remember seeing him in Wedding Crashers, and he did such a good job of playing such a repulsive person in that movie that I really didn't like Bradley Cooper as an actor after that. Mm -hmm. And um, there were a couple other movies where he was sort of that just sleazy jerk and he just those piercing eyes like he just there's something about it that just turned me off and then i saw him in um a star is born mm -hmm. and then i became a super fan immediately because i thought he was so good in that movie and i just it erased all the previous feelings i had about bradley cooper i sort of avoided bradley cooper films for a while because i was like you i don't like him he yeah. rubs me the wrong way now i think he's great so speaking of Bradley Cooper, have you ever seen Wet Hot American Summer? No. We're going to put that on the list. That's such a funny movie, and I think you would really like it. Are you familiar with what it is at all? Do you have any idea? I don't think so. Not really. So it's sort of a spoof of summer camp, 80s summer camp movies. So all these very famous actors are in it. Like He's in it before he was known. This movie came out in like 2001, so it's way before he would, was known. And Amy Poehler's in it. Um, Michael Showalter, uh, David Wayne, 
Oh, nice. The whole the whole cast of the state was effectively in it. Ken Marino. Oh, wow. There's a ton of Janine Graffalo's in it. There's a ton of super funny people in it. It's an extremely ridiculous movie. And uh, we're going to put it on the list because I think you're going to like it. And then Netflix picked it up and made a, two two seasons out of it, too. Uh, oh, cool. Because, again, like yeah. a whole thing. But he was in that movie playing. So I, it's weird because I had seen that movie like three or four times before he got famous. Then all of a sudden, the fourth time I watched it, I'm like, holy shit, it's Bradley Cooper. I had no idea. You know what I mean? I've seen I've seen him. Yeah. Um. So I think that shows you kind of his range, too, because I think he comes from a comedy background and not a drama background. So I feel like. He got kind of like buried in that dude from the hangover role or the guy we see in Wedding Crashers because he's so naturally kind of funny at that and plays yeah. with his looks so well. He knows what he looks like and he plays it really well. So I think he had to really work to break out of that sort of like lane that they put him in. Yeah. I think Silver Linings playbook was probably the thing that broke him out because he was funny, but also got to play up the dramatic side a bit more. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'll check it out. We're going to do that one. That'd be a good one. Um, so ultimately neither one of us would recommend this movie. I think I, that's, we're comfortable saying that. No, definitely not. Definitely not. If I'm going to walk out of the theater and go have a drink across the street, I'm not going to recommend it to anyone. Yeah. Although Marissa said to me after we finished it, cause you know, we talk about the movies obviously. And she's like, she said she might recommend this movie to people who are fans of rom-coms. And she said it because not because it's a great movie, because there are so few rom-coms that, they make anymore and that if you haven't seen this that it, it's just one to see because there's yeah if you're a fan one to add rumors. to the list and this is that time where they were doing a ton of them the, mm-hmm. you know mid-2000s was a, a like, varying quality a, yes exactly so i i kind of get that like if you do even though it's not a great movie there is something about the rhythms of rom-coms if you're just in for like a thursday night you had a tough day at work you just want to zone out yeah, or you're having like girls' night, just hanging out. And you want to watch a movie, and you don't have to pay attention to every single second because you're not going to miss a ton. Yeah, so I I, I can kind of see that scenario as being valid, I guess. Uh, but no, I probably wouldn't recommend this to yeah, someone. It wasn't definitely like going to be a diehard rom comer. Yeah, um, it's no. Yeah. So the movie I'm going to pick for you is Inception. We've we've done some comedies for rom com month. Wanted to try something a little more uh, dramatic and twisty. And I think I think you're going to be I think you're going to like this. I don't know. Have you seen a lot of Christopher Nolan movies? Not really. And Inception is one of those uh, films where I feel like I can't believe I haven't seen this. There was so much talk about it. Why haven't I seen this? Oh, I'll get around to seeing it. So now this is good. Forced me to watch Inception. I think I think it'll be good. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Watch it on the biggest screen you have. And watch it as loud as you can. Uh, I know with kids, it's a little hard sometimes at night, but, you know, and then, um, you know, we talked in this movie about this great cast. Inception's the same way. I think it has a lot of people pre-fame or pre-big time fame. So it'll be kind of interesting for you to see kind of them in their earlier roles as well. Yeah. Are we going into like a more serious mode in March? I don't know. I, I we'll, we'll see. Just, we'll see, see what we yeah. feel like after this one. And I do like that idea that we ping pong off. You see something and you're like, you know, let's move in this direction. You know, um, we're going to have another guest in March. We're working on getting that lined up for you. Um, I think that'll be a lot of fun. And then I don't know, got some ideas moving forward for the year. If, if you have ideas or you want to give us feedback on the movies, make sure you're following us on the Facebook page. 
film swap podcast. Uh, we post stuff there. You can post comments. I, I would be interested in hearing, uh, you know, what you folks think. We're definitely thinking about doing an Oregon movie month. So I'd love to hear what Oregon movies uh, you'd want to see. I have two in mind, but I'm very open. So that would be interesting to me. Yeah, I love it. I love theme months and we've only had a couple. So um, this is going to be good. I, I still I really want you to watch Brokeback Mountain. We'll try and figure that out soon. That could Maybe be a we'll March do that one. one in March. Yeah. yeah. I was talking about it with Bill yesterday, and uh, Bill says there are a couple of movies that he avoided watching because the just just so much talk about them. And I think Titanic was the one that he said, I just didn't want to watch it. It was just all anyone talked about. And I just went in with such low expectations. And he's like, and it was a pretty good movie. I mean, they did a good job with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he said the other one was Brokeback Mountain. I was so sick of hearing about it that I put it off for a while. And he went in and was blown away by Brokeback Mountain. So, yeah, uh, it, it came and went like its moment passed. I do remember that year when it, the Oscars that year. I was rooting for it because I didn't like any of the other ones I saw. That was the year Crash one. And I thought Crash was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that one either. That was totally overrated. And I remember we were at the Hollywood Theater. They had done this um, red carpet Oscar party, buy tickets, watch the Oscars on the big screen, have some, you know, champagne or whatever. Yeah. It, was, it was fun. We're all wearing suits, you know. Um, and then I remember when Crash won, everyone booed. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. And I had well, seen that, That's seen like Crash. a legendary, like, that shouldn't have won film. I mean, it's like, what, what was the the movie that was robbed that was broke back no. mountain as everyone thinks right i mean right and like goodfellas oh yeah well and i mean saving private ryan lost to forrest gump and forrest yeah. gump has not gotten better as it aged no uh, no no we oh. should we should do a whole month where we talk about movies that were raw like the robbed of of the awards they deserved sure you remember last week we did the big sick and ray romano because that's like the classic boomer thing like they love Forrest Gump because it's all about them. And, <laughs> and, and, right. and there's a line in there. He's like, people are saying Forrest Gump is bad now. It's the greatest movie ever. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, my mom loves Forrest Gump. I I rewatched it not long ago because, you know, I had good memories of it when I came out. And I just was like, oh, my Lord. Like, there are lots of interesting things about it, but it's not a good movie. Have you ever read the book? It's good to it's good to watch with kids because they learn a lot about these little snippets in history. So you can, like, explain it as you go along. Yeah. And I think that they find it interesting. Like a 10 year old find it finds it interesting how they're all woven into his life. It's cool. It's a great concept if you're 10. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And it it has a 10 year old's depth of historical perspective for sure. Have you ever read the yeah. book Forrest Gump? No, no. It is so different from the movie. So the really? basic concepts are there. He is doing these things with these historic figures, but he's also like, it's also just a really ugly, nasty book. It's just such a cynical book. And like Jenny in the movie stays with Forrest because he's so sweet. Well, in the book, she stays with him because he's so well hung. And like, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like it's out there and i guess the sequel was even more you know like off-putting so that's why they never made a movie sequel of forrest gump good lord okay like everyone takes advantage of forrest yeah yeah and the whole thing is so cynical just like it's not like this sweet natured bumbling idiot who stumbles through history it's people taking advantage of him over and over and over again and yes he stumbles through history but it's just a cynical book about how awful people are 
So right. it's so I should funny probably read that it. they would just twist that into something, this life-affirming yeah. thing that's like, exactly. I don't know. Okay, so next week, Inception. Inception. Film Swap is produced and hosted by Angelica Thornton and Nick Vole. You can watch or listen on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow Angelica on Twitter at AngelicaKATU and follow Nick at Nick Vole. Share your thoughts on the films we discussed there, and we might just read them on the show. Music by John Michael Farley and Nick Vole.